It's a forgotten football comedy. Today I'm talking about 2000's The Replacement, starring Keanu Reeves. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. And welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am here with my special guest from softball uh, championship team member, <laughs> Grant, who is here to talk about a personal favorite film of his, The Replacements, uh, 2000s The Replacements, not the famous indie rock band, <laughs> the the football comedy with Keanu Reeves, which I feel like I feel like Keanu Reeves is in a number of sports movies, and you could argue Point Break is also a bit comedic in how it portrays football. But, <laughs> but yeah. So, how are you doing, Grant? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. I appreciate letting me join tonight, Scott. Sure. So my first my first thought was when did how did you first see the replacements? Was it in a theater? Was it a home yeah, video? What I was it? Saw it in the movie theater with my family. Um, I'm the youngest of four kids, so, uh, you know, I'm going to age myself, but I was like 10 or 11 when this came out and being the, the youngest with older siblings, you get to see like PG 13 movies before you're 13, just because it's like, what are we just going to leave them at home? (laughs) Um, and my dad was a high school football coach. So, um, football movies were like a big, uh, poll. We, you know, we just, uh, trip, trips to Blockbuster and Family Video and then going to the movie theater were always a big trip for our family. You know, we did a ton of it. So, um, you know, comedy, football movie, and, uh, you know, those, those two combinations, it was pretty much we were going to see it no matter what. There you go. And so it made a, made a good first impression or? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's when you're like that age, you know, you you don't understand parts of the humor. And there's other <laughs> yes. stuff that's in the face that, you know, you, you know, you look, you watch the movie five to 10 years later and you're like, Oh my gosh, my parents let me see this. But yeah, no, it's, you know, it, you just it, remember it, that you liked the cheerleaders. You don't remember why. Yeah. That, you know, didn't <laughs> well. we'll call it that. Um, my wife uh, hasn't seen the movie before, so we'll probably have to watch it sometime. She's like, I can't believe I never knew that you liked this movie so much. And I'm like, I guess, you know, it's just one of those that like stuck with me um, as I'll kind of get into it eventually. But um, I can't imagine she will enjoy the, uh, the, the scene in question about the cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's interesting. Cause I, I saw it first. I think it was like a, I picked it up as like a DVD at the library. Okay. So that was the first time I saw it. But I, I honestly remember the replacements. I swear there was a chunk in from like about 2005 to 2009. You could probably find this on at least one basic cable channel. Oh yeah. At a mid on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, like probably every week. Pretty much. It was yeah. just, it was, it was just in perpetuity, just constantly on there. Yes, I, I you know looking at budget versus box office, I don't think uh, it pretty much came out even in that aspect. So it's uh, mm-hmm. I could see I could think that they probably wanted to make some money back on the budget, so probably sold it for what they could to the um, oh the basic or the cable providers. 
Yeah, well, it's also interesting to me because it's this it's this weird area. I've often described, like, even looking at the kind of movies it was up against in yeah. its era. Like, it was up against Space Cowboys and Hollow Man. Yes, I and saw I'm that, like, too. And those were, those were topping the box office, and I'm kind of looking at that compared to, you know, what the box office is driven by now. And I, I have said this, I said this uh, when I was talking about American Pie movies, that the difference between 2000 and post 9 yeah. 11, like there was, there's like a slight buffer where all the scripts filter out. And then right about 2004, everything gets dark real yeah. fast. And so this <laughs> bouncy sports comedy, like it almost can't exist after this period of time for a bit. Like it literally goes from this to Friday Night Lights, I swear. In like, oh, yeah. Just in a couple years. Yes. Yeah. Everyone was past the comedy or like the sports and comedy, you know, buddy stuff. So it's like, yes. yeah. Sports means more now for, for reasons. So. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you look at the director, uh, Howard Deutsch. Deutsch yeah. And, you know, you're talking about the guy who did, you know, directed Pretty in Pink. And then he like did a bunch of um, sequels. So like Grumpier Old Men and The Whole Ten Yards. <laughs> oh, goodness. The Whole Ten Yards is one of the worst things ever. Yeah. Uh, he just fell into his niche of like, no, we don't need him for the first movie, but the sequel. Well, well, well he it. had he had John Hughes success in the late eighties, and yeah. then and then it just seemed to fall off from there, which is which is too bad because the whole Ten Yards is one of the worst movies ever made. And uh, <laughs> he was also he also direct four years later. He decided his comeback would be the Dane Cook vehicle, My Best Friend's Girl. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of American Pie, Jason Biggs, yeah, being in that one as well. Oh goodness! And then now he seems to have. Like, it's honestly impossible. Like, just looking at his filmography, it's like, oh, yeah, do some TV directing. Okay, maybe some procedurals. Right. Well, he's going to do horror. Then he's going to do Jane the Virgin. Then he's going to do it's all over the place. All over the so place. Clearly just a gun for hire at that point. But right. it's, it's interesting. Cut out his niche in, in, the, in Hollywood and just, you know, obviously has talent and just, you know, going wherever a contract uh, finds him. Yeah. Uh, so... Why don't, since, since the entire audience may not be familiar, what is the general premise of The Replacements? Yeah, so it's um, oh, in a fictional professional football league because they didn't want to pay for the rights <laughs> for the NFL uh, team names and everything. But anyways, they, they, it comes down to the last four games of the season and the players and the professional teams are going on strike and as well as the coaches. So um, you have these fly-by-night guys who, you know, whether they played college at one point or uh, played professionally some, uh, they, they hired this ragtag bunch of guys. Um, you know, I, I forget how many teams there are in the league, but like I said, they play four more games as the replacements, and the other teams are basically taking from semi-pro guys or guys who just recently retired. And uh, Gene Hackman, who plays the head coach, uh, he uh, somehow has kept a pulse with like a whole roster full of, like I mentioned before, ragtag players and they have to uh, come together as a team. And I think if they win two of the last four games, uh, they will earn a spot in the playoffs. Um, And, you know, eventually, you know, they have their pitfalls, they have their ups and downs of, you know, at the end of the movie, they become a family and love each other and uh, win the final game, spoiler alert. And, (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, they have their moment of glory and the, you know, uh, at the final, at the end of the final game, you know, they play uh, David Bowie's Heroes. 
And, you know, it, <laughs> that's the general concept of it. You know, there's debauchery yeah. and uh, things that happen along the way, but that's generally what the movie is about. Yeah, it's like little giants, but a pro team. Yeah, and that's that's kind of, so, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, um, same colors even. And yeah. uh, what's so what's so interesting, like for me, what I find interesting is that I definitely like it at the time because it's this, it's these guys who have, uh, you know, don't have a lot, and so they never really got a chance to shine. And so even even for them, they're not even really like they're getting they're playing for the chance to put the team in the playoffs by the end. Like they know that the lockout's about to end. Yeah. At that point, the lockout's about to end. The team they play is most has most of their players back, and mm-hmm. so they're so they're like, okay, we just win this game for us, basically, because you know we're going to be gone. The yeah, next there's day. no tomorrow. There's no tomorrow, and uh, our our quarterback for this team is Shane Falco, who is played by Keanu Reeves, like a year after the Matrix, which is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even think so, about that. Yeah. Which is funny because this is the second time he's playing an Ohio, a former Ohio State quarterback. Because Johnny Utah is a yeah. former Ohio State quarterback in Point Break too. Yeah, it's like you, who knows if he requested it for a second time out as a gag or something, yeah. but, or the casting yeah. director thought it'd be funny. But yeah, that's to to yeah. play two not just quarterbacks, but Ohio State quarterbacks specifically. Yeah, uh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's a nice little fun fact, or you you know your trivia night what two Ohio State quarterbacks has has Keanu Reeves played. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because there is actual like historical precedent for it. It's loosely, very loosely based on the 1987 NFL strike. Mm-hmm. And and apparently specifically the the Washington what is now the Washington football team, yeah. uh, they won because they won all three of the replacement games and then went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Wow. And What's kind of crazy to me is that obviously I wouldn't recognize this as a kid or even for years, but it's very interesting how, like, I imagine the first critique that would come out now is how dare this movie try to get us to empathize so greatly with scabs. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, with would, how much we hate, we, uh, yeah, uh, how much the, you know, the, well, and just in general about strikes and uh, everything like that and uh, yeah. unions. Yeah, because one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite uh, YouTube videos is from uh, SB Nation, or they call it Secret Base now, but SB Nation, and it's it's and it's a uh, forget what it, it's a John John Boy. He's one of the main main guys there, but he he details it's the first game back with between the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. and they basically the the Eagles have the game in hand, and they have like ten seconds left, and all they need to do is kneel it, and they decided to bomb it like go for the end zone because because the Cowboys were basically the first team to break the picket line specifically because of their owner. Okay. Who was a giant D, whereas the entire Philadelphia team never broke. Oh, and my so gosh. It, it's they so, just want to rub it in their faces, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so it was literally described, like the pass itself was described as an act of hatred in the video. <laughs> <laughs> so... But yeah, but what's it? But the other thing that's interesting about the movie is just is who the ragtag group is. So we talked about Keanu Reeves. He's Shane Falco. He's a left-handed quarterback. How dare he? Um, <laughs> who apparently had a bad Sugar Bowl in 1996 and never really got a pro career off the ground. And then we have a who's who of like where are they now or people who went on to do interesting things. We have the classic, the the fastest wide receiver who can't catch. Little Giants. Played, yep. 
<laughs> yep, played by Orlando Jones. We have this one. I I love the concept of. We have two brothers. We have the the Jackson brothers, who were. <laughs> who are were very good when they played together, but the second they got traded, they did not work well together. And then became, uh, decided to quit football and became uh, bodyguards for the rich and famous. Yes, uh, specifically the ODB, which is just perfect. It's just so perfect, because he, he definitely needs that. He needed that. Right. Uh, then we, <laughs> uh, we, have a for- we have a minister. Uh <laughs> Who plays running back? We have a sumo wrestler to play offensive tackle. <laughs> literally, his character name is literally Jumbo, which I'm not sure he could do that again. Again, yeah, yeah, no, doesn't age well in certain points. Yes, uh, John Favreau of who's now more famous behind the camera than in front of it. Right, he's like the playing... darling of Disney between Marvel and all the vehicles he's driven in, like Disney, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, I mean he's he's the guy behind the live action Jungle Book yeah. and uh, the Lion King. He is directed a lot of the early episodes of The Mandalorian. I think he's been the showrunner for a lot of it and was the f- director of the first two Iron Man movies. So yeah, crazy. Yeah, from that yeah. like you know Swingers in '96 and then this in 2000 and now 20 years yeah. later, household name yes. away. Yes, and then Rizzy Fonz, who I swear is just playing himself. Yeah, um, as the kicker, <laughs> he's just playing himself. Um, we have and for David people who Den- might not know Rizzy Fonz by his his real name, he's kind of one of those famous that guy actors. Plays yeah. Luna Lovegood's uh, father in Harry Potter. Oh, there you go. Among yeah, other think- many many roles. Yeah, played the lizard in the Amazing Spider-Man yep. too. And then uh, we also have David Denman as Brian right. Murphy. He is a deaf tight end who then went on to become the guy. I'm forgetting his character name in the office, Roy. but that's probably Roy. He plays Roy in the office. And then, and then we hit, Wait, can we just we reiterate hit, that he's a deaf tight end? <laughs> it's just like, yes. it's such a interesting, like it, and they plays oh. it very well, very respectfully and all, everything like that. But it's just, you know, yeah. to see him go from that role. I think I completely forgot about that until I looked that up today. That yeah, he was Roy was the deaf tight end from the movie. <laughs> oh, he's so baby faced in it too. Yeah. Like, and he's and he's more he's felt looking like all that. And I distinctly remember the introduction scene because they show him running around and everything like that. And then he puts down his helmet and then he starts signing at them. Right. And then and then the coach standing next to Gene Hackman was like, "Wait, what? Like he, he's acting so confused." I'm like, "You didn't tell him before this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that, that going on. And then, uh, unfortunately, we have the most unfortunate casting ever, which is Michael Jace as a felon who is basically out on some sort of, like, stay of stay by the governor, yeah. who is a former cornerback and kick returner, who is now in jail for second-degree murder. <laughs> no big deal. Whatever. Jeez. I was just like, oh, that's that's... Oh, that's bad. That's Probably real bad. bad. <laughs> yes. Though I will say, perhaps one of my favorite things is that despite it not being the NFL, we still have Pat Summerall and John Madden. Right. Making their, their then, appearance. They pay, could have pony up the money for uh, the NFL rights, but Pat Summerall and John Madden, they are, they'll, everyone will know that this is the top league of football. Those two are announcing the games. John Madden, who also makes an appearance in Little, in Little Giants. Giants. Oh my gosh. So you just. <laughs> You just blew my mind. Like, 
between <laughs> the fast wide receiver that can't catch to John Madden to, oh my gosh, there's just so many yes. parallels. Yes, the very pretty quarterback. Uh, that yeah. <laughs> long hair. Yeah, long-haired quarterback. Uh, <laughs> so, but I also, I will never forget the fact that at one point they have the the accidental where the ball lands in the in the sumo guy's hands. Yes, and then and then they're and then John Madden's like, and oh, now we get to do one of my favorite things, the fat guy touchdown dance. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the guy's a sumo wrestler, so he has to do yeah, he does a giant sumo, sumo thing. footsteps yeah. and then spikes which the ball, would, which. Which would easily, well, actually, no, I think he meets the modern standards, but I swear five years later he would have been flagged. But yeah. Like the modern yeah. standards is that you can do it as long as it's like with your teammates or stuff, like like they let you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the, the NFL has gone flip flopped a lot on that rule where it's like yeah. you did do it. And then they said you could only do it if you did it by yourself and without your teammates. And then no they props. Got like, more stringent, but then, like, within the last three years, they've, like, loosened up on it entirely, and you've had some fun moments in the NFL in the last couple of years. But, yeah, that, that rule's been all over the place. Yeah, it's all over the place. But, yeah, so that's that's our core group of weirdos who, of well, course, don't get along right, one, right away. One more person, uh, the owner of the weirdos, is uh, oh, right, right. Jack Warden, the two-time Academy Award nominee, <laughs> and, you know, probably <laughs> his most famous role being from 12 Angry Men. <laughs> it's just, like... And sadly, it's it's his last role he ever uh, acted in before he passed away about four years later. Yeah, yeah. So oh, and of course, uh, and we brief we touched on him briefly, but G- Gene Hackman is the coach. Yes, and this is in some ways like a Gene Gene Hackman at this point, you know, still alive and kicking, it, but it more is actually working more as a novelist now. But this is also one of his towards the end of his acting yeah. career. He basically stopped shortly after this. Like he had a very busy you know 2001, and then kind of just dipped off after that yeah wow yeah yeah i mean you know you have oh enemy of the state around this time as well and you know obviously all yeah. his big work before that but you know like you said he was winding down his career at this point and i would imagine if he you know spent his money wisely or saved it wisely he probably wouldn't have to do much else after the career that he had I, yeah, well, what's so amazing for me is that Gene Hackman is, has basically always had a solid like since his since he actually broke through. Right, he's never had a bad period. Like he was, he was kind of in he was in in important movies for a while. Like when he first came in, and then he just kept being in important movies. Like, you know. like oh, who do we need? guy like gene hackman you know what let's just give him a call see if he wants the role yeah let's, yeah, let's just get gene hackman and, <laughs> and, and, and so it's he he was interesting because he mostly is better known for he's better known for his dramas but i think he was an equally good comedic actor and in, yeah. in many like i think people forget how good he is as a as a comedic foil in the birdcage yeah he's so oh my good in that his he steals his single scene in young frankenstein mm-hmm and what's great is that the, the movie is also playing off the fact that everybody knows this is the Hoosiers guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they're having a they're having a lot of fun with with all of that. So yeah, that and that's ultimately why I think you know the movie have its pitfalls and it's you know it's telegraphed in the beginning. You know that they're they're going to win the big game at the end of it, but ultimately everyone is having a great time making this movie. Nobody's holding back. Everyone's you know you have John Favreau who we didn't mention is a former or like a current FBI SWAT member. Absolutely he's a DC psycho. SWAT member, yeah. He's, you know, the classic look where the, the linebacker has cut up on their nose so many times that it just keeps reopening. He's bleeding everywhere on his face while he's playing. And 
Dayton yeah. Dayton is the character's name, and it's just like, you know, that he's just the tip of the iceberg on the people that are just going all out in this movie. Yeah, well, and they've also, yeah, and I think the thing that's so fun is that the idea, like, it's one thing if it's, like, a kid's team, you're like, okay, that's kind of funny. I just love the idea of this being played and, like, in front of, like, as a professional team. Yeah. Like, that's that's actually the appeal of it. It's like, these are grown men acting compl- like this. <laughs> right, yes. Like, like quite honestly, like children. <laughs> yeah, because oh, you yeah, have to see many- yeah, I mean, many of them act like children all the time. They have to do have bond by like line doing the electric slide to "I Will Survive" yeah. and then yeah, getting into I, a bar you know, brawl. I became a huge fan of one, the electric slide, and two, Donna Summers' "I Will Survive" just because of this movie. There you go. Yeah, and I the first song I ever bought on iTunes was featured on this uh, in this movie on this on the. Um, the soundtrack, which was taking care of business by. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. So it's like Bob telling you this, this movie overdrive. was a big part of my childhood. <laughs> there you go. So I actually meant to ask you, have you ever played football? Did you play yeah, football? Yeah, I played, you know, like I mentioned before, my dad was a high school football coach. I figured, so I I figured you were like play. required to. Yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the game and everything like that. So, you know, I played from fourth grade up until no fifth grade um like tackle football with pads and everything from fifth grade until senior year of high school so but the joke my joke that I like to say is that I didn't play football in high school I just practiced and I just stood on the sidelines during the during the games on Friday nights but you know still whenever I run into those guys that I played with in high school um you always pick up where we left off we just spent so much time together in the weight room and in summer practices and throughout the season and everything like that, they, you know, we might not keep in touch, you know, day to day or even maybe see each other once a year, but, you know, we're always, always can catch up and fall back into those old times. So it's really cool. There you go. Yeah. That's nice. Like I, I, I was, I was, I've been at a lot of football games, but I yeah. had to be because I was at, I was playing instruments. So, <laughs> yes. so, so there you go. But yeah. And, uh, my one of my favorite my favorite things in movies like this is like there's a bunch of just concepts where I love it just because of just how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. So it'll be so we already mentioned the sumo guy catching the ball after after the quarterback intentionally throws it at the main linebacker's face. Yes, very in the longest yard esque. Uh... Yeah, lard. Yeah yard ask and then he just he grabs it says oh shit and then just continues saying oh shit oh shit oh shit yes. and then like the two brothers are like we gotta go come on yeah just start screaming like oh, oh and then, god well, then you have the sumo i mean i we're giving a lot of pub to the sumo guy for you know being a minor character but he also had a great comedic moment where he is sucking down eggs for protein before oh, yeah, the yeah. first game and they, he gets nervous and goes out, and then they're in the huddle trying to call the first oh, play, yeah, and they he throws up. And you have this first bonding <laughs> moment of them all working together when they have to get away from the vomit uh, because Orlando Jones' character also vomits because he smells vomit. And uh, so then they like case. huddle together, cross their arms together, and in a tight formation, they move like five yards over, and that's like the first moment of them like being really a team. But also it's <laughs> yeah. based around a guy eating a bunch of uh, hard-boiled eggs before the game. 
yeah, it's just this, this. And then, of course, it's caught like they mentioned they they do commentary with John Madden going, like, I think they're moving the huddle. What are they yeah. over there? Like, it's just, I've never seen this before. Have you? Yeah. Uh, John, I've never seen this. Like, it's yes. just. <laughs> yeah it's it's one it's one of those ones where it's just like every single moment is very silly and then at the end it gets like at the end it kind of gets nice like it's <laughs> like it gets sweet and dramatic and right. one, one of my favorite one of my favorite bits is that like i think it's something that's kind of forgotten about is that rizzy Fon's character nigel gruff like he's a he's a footballer and he's like he's well he's an old soccer You're, player and that's yeah, why he's a good, yeah and that's why he's a good that's why he's a good kicker yeah. and then it's established early on that he has this very that he has like a bad gambling problem or he's in in deep to people one of those things somehow, you don't realize when you see this movie when you're 10 years old yeah exactly it's like oh he gave money to the mob and uh, like the irish like the welsh mob or whatever yeah and they're like oh yeah you, you get, if you like kick to win it we're gonna break your legs Basically, yeah. They, they, Basically. they don't think they actually stay. They just, like, you know, stand up no. and uh in the stands where they can see him. And, you know, something's bad's going to happen, but you don't know what. But, yeah, they intimidate him to purposely miss a field goal. And while – which is, like, kind of a, a, a plot hole where Shane Falco, uh, Keanu Reeves, is, you know, taking the snap to hold the field goal. But traditionally, your starting quarterback doesn't hold the ball <laughs> – but, well, I mean, you know, a replacement team, so. Yeah, yeah, so probably only one quarterback, but still, yeah. So he's, you know, sitting down there to get ready to take the snap and hold the ball for uh, the kicker. And, he, you know, he can just tell there's something wrong, something up. And he kind of just alludes to his, his, his gambling addiction and problem. And, you know, he, he steals the ball away and makes it so the kicker hurts himself and whiffs on it like Charlie Brown style. <laughs> And actually breaks his leg. And actually breaks <laughs> so they can't, his leg. So they can't kick it again. Oh, my gosh. But the thing that I think is, like, almost heartbreaking is that Keanu Reeves, he, like, he basically does this, like, naked bootleg on it for a fake and scores, and it goes back on a holding penalty. And that's why they have to go again. And I'm like, I've never seen that in, in a sports and movie. And aforementioned where literally... sumo wrestler who's the one that has the holding call, if I have to call it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And you see him going, sorry, guys. And yeah. you're like, what well, they actually called holding on the supposed final play? Yes. And that, you know, our, our hero, uh, David Denman, the, the deaf tight end, him and uh, Shane Falco link up for the game winning touchdown catch. Yes. There you, yeah, it's it's yeah, and because it leads to this. It's funny to me because I think honestly the most effective moments in this movie for me are more the comedy bonding stuff. Yes, because when it tries to be really sincere, is what it kind of you're just like, oh, okay, we we get it. Like it's this yeah. idea of like, oh hey, like because Gene Hackman's character's thing is like, oh winners always want the ball or something yes. like that when the game is on the line, and I'm like, everybody wants the ball. The game. Yeah. <laughs> like what what competitive player doesn't want? <laughs> yeah, if you're in the professional league, you, you probably want the ball in your hand. Yeah, exactly. And uh yeah, so you probably want the ball. And <laughs> so but yeah, they and so he's the one that does it successfully. And uh but yeah, in terms of which brings me to I think we, we already hinted at some what is some stuff that perhaps uh hasn't aged so well in this movie? <laughs> Oh my gosh! 
Yeah, so that, you know, we're kind of neglecting, you know, Keanu Reeves' love interest in the movie. Who's but, uh, do you have her name offhand? She's like, you know, one of those great, another great that woman actress. And, yeah, her her name is, and her character name is Annabelle Farrell, and her the actress's name is Brooke Langton. Yeah, and so she is the only holdover, I guess because the football players are going on strike that means in this universe the cheerleaders are going on strike too so yes uh, her character has to recruit new cheerleaders and the cheerleaders that they end up recruiting are all uh exotic dancers from i believe the kitty cat club uh yes maybe what it's called so yeah which is well and and now honestly the thing that as as much as them dancing suggestively to distract players is this whole whole thing, and probably yes. the most obvious thing, I think honestly the biggest plot hole is that these exotic dancers would be interested in cheerleading money, which is almost non-existent. Right. <laughs> like, oh no, they're That's... just all really big football fans who want to be there to watch the games. No, I'm pretty sure they're making better. Yeah, the, I, the, it's notoriously terrible pay for uh in, <laughs> yeah in, in like in the nfl you know you hear these cheerleaders who come out who say like you know if they're at a bar uh and they see a, f- a football player for the team uh at the said bar they they have to leave themselves they can't you know even if the she was there first uh if they see a football player walk in they have to leave and like very much they are definitely intertwined there are multiple love interests between football players and cheerleaders in this one. Oh yeah well yeah there's just so much of it that i mean that's how the bar fight starts is because like some of the dancers start talking to uh our hero uh our our, our deaf tight end hero and then a fight breaks out and that that's the, the fight is the classic uh, adult sports movie uh bonding experience when you find right. a common enemy and and beat the crap out of people so there you go yes yeah, and it's you know, uh, and that's the aforementioned uh, oh scene in the jail cell where they're all in together, waiting to get out. And uh, Orlando Jones, you know, character's name Clifford Franklin, uh, starts singing Donna Summer, and uh, you know, really, really going all out as Orlando Jones does, no matter what. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And he this just was, gets this was the era for him to do to the do electric that. slide in the jail cell. Yeah, that's that's how that's how you know, and uh, even even uh, Shane Falco gets in on it, despite because right. <laughs> well, and they specifically got into a fight with the other football with the the the, the, the starters. starters, yeah, the yeah. guys who who are on strike. Yeah, and uh, the main the for the quarterback uh, is played by an actor named Brett Cullen, who I swear, if you look at him just for five seconds, you'll be like, oh, that guy's played bad guys just like bad guy. seventeen yeah. times, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you told me he played like a senator, I was supposed to hate. Chances are you're right. Like I, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's he's just one of those guys that look like a bad guy. Like you know, and he does play it well. He plays that douchebag character extremely well. Yeah. I mean, he commits to some lines which are just the dumbest because, oh, no. like, at one point, like, uh, the one that I remember they put in the trailer, which was, you're not even a has-been, you're a never-was. never was. Oh, my God. Oh, they thought, like, anytime they try to do that kind of stuff, it just never works so well. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what else hasn't aged well? I mean, there's... I would, I would say the thing that stands out to me is the fact that they have, like, this 
dynamic between the the cop and the criminal and they yes. like make up by the end and the cop is an insane white guy and the criminal is a black man yes yeah but they but at the end of the day they they're they're both football players and Look, they, commonality they, playing on the field together and yeah yeah didn't they especially in the climate we're in right now in the world oh absolutely not cancel city um yeah <laughs> Jeff, definitely one of those where you look at it, you're like, oh, oh okay, oh, oh, geez, uh-huh. and especially because, like I said, unfortunately, the actor who plays the convict character was is now a convict, so literally, that, yeah, that age is even worse. Yes, which is which is funny to me because John Favreau, at least for some bits, like this is like he went from playing kind of just an awkward like every like kind of whatever guy to playing a bunch of beefy insane people right. like it was very strange that transition happened seemingly overnight basically as soon as they put him in what right after he kept showing up in vince vaughn movies right like that just that just kept being the thing that he kept doing yeah because like in swingers you feel you know he's definitely you know not a small guy but like the character itself it's very meek mild-mannered guy and then, then you have oh. the other completely other end of the spectrum with this movie. Yeah, he has in in Swingers. It's so funny to it's so funny to think of Swingers, which has honestly one of the most agonizing scenes ever, where he's trying to leave the message for the woman he just met, right? And keeps calling to call over his message. It's just earth shatteringly, right? <laughs> Isn't it? Is she in this movie as well? The girl he's trying to call? I don't think so. No. Okay, so it's like his his ex girlfriend. Yeah, because I know yeah. that and somebody. Yeah, it's somebody he just meets at a bar. Yeah, because Brooke Langton is in uh, is in Swingers as well. Oh really? Oh maybe yeah. it was her. Yeah, maybe it was her. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Apparently, yeah, she's. It looks like she kind of had Brooke Langton in terms of like how she ended up here. I think she looks like she had some vague connections to some of the cast and some of the director. Cause she was in Melrose place oh, wow. uh, where our director, uh, our director, uh, sorry, Howard Deutsch yeah. directed that. So I think that was part of it. And I mean, yeah. She's and then, working uh, to this day, it's crazy. You know, she's had a great yeah. career. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, even if you just kind of show up in an episode here or there, and of course ended up in Friday night lights for nine episodes. Perfect. Right. That's of just, <laughs> Yeah, it's it is it is interesting to me too to see just how many, like I I know this happens a lot any at least a lot more now, but it's interesting to see how many, in terms of filmographies, how much it's divvied up because some people are just film actors and some people is just like nowadays bouncing between film and TV is Super much common. more common. Yeah. yeah, like much more common. Like most of the people we've mentioned here have like all had some sort of starring role in a TV show. With the exception, honestly, being like Keanu, like that's the thing that's so interesting is Keanu is just a movie guy, straight up. Like that's right. just what he does. Yeah, after and his has... reinvig, like you know, he his reinvigoration with the John Wick and everything, and yeah, yeah, all the all the tales of him being like the nicest guy, right? <laughs> so and then, oh my goodness, hang on one second, I was wondering, I'm looking at something. I just I just was trying to, I'm looking at um who I thought, okay, I, I saw something for a bit. And I was wondering who the, uh, I saw a f- familiar name, the cinematographer, which is the most interesting, like 
His name is uh, Tak Fujimoto. Okay. And now here's the, now when you, now cinematographers, it's go all over the place. So it's sometimes though they work a lot. Sometimes they're very director dependent. Uh, What's amazing is like, I know his, yeah, once I see it, I know his career. I'm going to list off some of the movies that he's been a part of. Some of them are just memorable by themselves, but here's a couple. Uh, he direct he he was the cinematographer for Badlands, which is a Terrence Malick classic. Uh, Death Race Two Thousand, <laughs> which is a Roger Corman movie. Uh, he was also he also shot Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Something Wild, Married to the Mob, <laughs> The Silence of the Lamps. He shot that. Uh, he shot Philadelphia. <laughs> he shot that career. thing you do. Beloved, The Sixth Sense, and Signs. So he got in with M. Night there. Yeah, he got in with M. Night at the end there, yeah. But also he looked to be, it looks like he was the go-to cinematographer eventually for Jonathan Demme, who was, uh, who was the, uh, you know, the fellow behind Philadelphia, Silence of the Lambs, Married to the Mob. Uh, he directed Beloved. Um, like he was, you know, a, a, he's also, uh, Jonathan Demme's also the guy who directed the uh, Stop Making Sense documentary for the Talking Heads. Okay. Like that's who, like he's, he was, he was a great, but it's so, it's always fun for me to see just who on earth gets slammed together and, and stuff like this. Right. So, yeah, there you crazy. go. But yeah. Have you gotten a chance to see what the uh, crit- critical response at the time was? It was, I, I saw that, oh gosh, um, Eber Eber Roper um, probably just butchered that, but I couldn't think of the top of my head. Anyways, Cisco uh, I believe gave it two out of four stars or uh, something like that. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, Eber. Yeah, no, the critics did not think very highly of it, but if you look at you know um, the common man, if you will, it's a very highly rated in that sense. Well, and I and I think this is this is and I've I've talked about this and other things before where I think to, for two reasons it's like one is that despite there being inappropriate stuff for kids it's actually most of the comedy is just physicality yes and that translates very well to kids right and also means that a lot of it can age pretty well like it, it like you know there are some elements of course we would change but you know right. the, the basic game of football premise, has not changed enough. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need to throw out the entire premise. Like the, the premise works. So you can just, you could, you could remake a version of this now and just change, you know, change up a, a, some of the jokes, but the basic, you know, that's what's so interesting about comedies from this era. Like this is right around the cutoff point because comedy is especially like right, right around like 2004 up to like t- 2010. A lot of them now comedies always age weird, but yeah. a lot of them age really bad in that era because they're so like, some, that's when like a lot of Judd Apatow produced movies come out, and so there's so there's such a big emphasis on like raunchy jokes or riff style jokes, which are you know, right, yes. aren't always as strong over time. And so this one, like honestly, like you could put this one on now, and people will be like, eh, okay, like it's, it feels like a movie from t- like the late '90s, and it right. kind of is. So. And guess what, Scott? If you do want to watch this movie, all you have to do is have a you know, you can watch it digitally on TBS.com. <laughs> oh, very! I knew it. I knew it was going to you know, be on one of those networks. You know, I remember back in the day, but it's still kicking on TBS. <laughs> there you go. I remember. Well, and also what I remember is that because this was something that only one studio did, and I will always remember it, is when DVDs were first a thing. Okay. Every other every other DVD company 
every other movie company and studio would do the standard plastic open and things like that. There was one studio that decided we're going to be different. We're going to have plastic that snaps, but the rest of the outside will be cardboard. Oh, wow. Thereby making resale near like very, very weird and difficult. And that studio is Warner Brothers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I kind of managed to bring it up. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah. So if like, for instance, I have an old copy of Blazing Saddles. That's one of them. Like there's a lot of them like that. And it's and the replacements is one of those. So that's why I remember, I remember literally the, the cardboard and that weird snap, like the rush hour movies came out like that. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was, this, they were like, yeah, we'll do this at first. And everyone's like, no, 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 cheap plastic, move to cheap plastic again. That's what you the Structural <laughs> integrity is it's important for the DVD quality. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very, very much so. So you said you hadn't watched this movie with your wife yet. No, have not yet. Are there plans too, or are you just like maybe it's been oh, built yeah, up? Too I would much? imagine. I think we have pretty much a free weekend coming up here, so I, I would imagine we're gonna, go. we're gonna. I, I don't know if I'm gonna have to go to. Uh, oh, TBS.com or you know, I, I, I hate commercials, God. I hate commercials. We don't have I, I do uh, cable. In, my, in our house, we only have cable during football season. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, we're big into Netflix and Hulu and everything like that. We actually pay for, so we, we still watch some cable shows, but we have the Hulu Plus subscription. So we really oh, hate okay. those commercials. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. No, I typically, yeah, I do too. Like there's, I've definitely been at the point where I'm like, is the show worth watching the brief commercials on Hulu? Right. So, Even though they're all like a minute and a half. And I'm like, is it still worth it then? I don't know. Yeah. So it, it's one of those where, yeah, I, I might have to check out the library. Uh, one of my favorite places to go rent movies. Um, yeah, that's that's my go-to. Yeah. Yeah, I worked at one of the libraries about five, six years ago around me. And uh, it was, you know, not, not my favorite job I ever had. I just shelved books and DVDs and media and everything like that. But Gosh darn it, I got the new movies when they first came out before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm somebody who is like, uh, I, I put in requests for new releases bef- like the, the week they come out in the theater. So like I'm part of like the early group of the Cuyahoga County Public Library, nice. which is which is my library. And uh, they know me by sight uh, and by name. Right. There. They're just like, oh, OK, you got to like they'll tell me like, oh, you got a big stack today or something like that. So it's <laughs> requested stuff. Like, yeah. So. Uh, People ask, like, how do you watch so much? I'm like, that, that, that's a big reason why. (laughs) Yes. So, and then the last, last question I had for you, do you have Mm -hmm. any other favorite sports movies that you would recommend? Oh my goodness. Uh, The first one that came to my, I don't know if I want to recommend it, but I mean, the Mighty Ducks franchise is another oh, one that's that was, my heart. I grew up with those. I, yeah. um, I like. I almost don't want to go back to them because I don't want to see the flaws in them. I want them to remain they, as they are. The first one holds up pretty well. Uh, second one, about the same level, but the third Second one, one's goofy. Yes, yeah, second yeah. one's goofy. They knew what they're doing. And the third one, they try and get into a little bit more emo, Charlie Conway, and the, the, the you know, angst of high school. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it, it's one of those that I grew up watching so many times. And once I was drunk and went on Amazon and bought the three DVD package. Um, so <laughs> something I own as well, besides the point that we have Disney plus subscription. So I've well, yeah, got well. the series now with, uh, with, uh, Laura Graham from Gilmore Girls. Yes. 
which I have not checked out yet. And, you know, I've heard good things. I have some younger nephews who have watched it and enjoyed it, but uh, it's, I I don't know if I can do it, Scott. It's just so close to my heart. I I understand. I completely understand. Yeah. uh, In terms of, I always, I'm always a big one for an underappreciated sports comedy. So my recommendation would be the movie Goon, if you've ever heard of it. Oh yeah. Yep. Sean William Scott. I, I love it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the premise is that Sean William Scott plays a knowingly dumb individual who is good at nothing but fighting and becomes an enforcer for like a low level hockey team right. and finds that he's very good at that because he is good at protecting people and getting into fights. And just and, uh, punches to the face a bunch. Yes. And uh, he is, but he is also defined by how nice he is. Right. Off the <laughs> and, ice. So, and the tagline is, it's like, meet Doug, the nicest guy you're, you're ever going to fight. And yeah. I love that tagline so much. And it, especially with Sean Williams Scott with like a bloodied face. Right. <laughs> so. And what a cast too. You got Jay, um, oh gosh, how do you Jay Birichel, who, yeah. who co-wrote the script. Like okay. that was, yeah, that was, that's part of the reason he's there. It was like his idea. And Okay. Uh, yeah. That Canadian. Was, he, I'm not surprised about that. And. And then you got Eugene. him showing up in Letterkenny, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Eugene Levy. You got Allison Pill, Liv Shriver, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a pretty impressive cast. Yeah, it's a it's a good cast, and uh, yeah, so that's in terms of in terms of sports comedies, underrated sports comedies. I really like that one. Um, the I would say if there's a serious sports movie that might be even too serious, but I really I really really like it. Is have you heard of the movie Warrior? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I love Warrior. Who is? Um, uh, that's Tom Hardy. That's Tom yeah, Hardy. And Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. Joel yeah, Edgerton Joel Edgerton. Lead. And that was the first time I remember seeing Tom Hardy is in Warrior. Where? You know, oh really? Yeah. Well, at least remember it. You know, I might probably yeah. have seen him in other things, but it was one of those where I'm like, this guy's intense. This guy's a for real actor. Yeah. So, uh, but sticking, yeah. So for, for warrior is a, is a UFC movie. And so it basically follows a tournament where two brothers with very different life experiences and very different fight styles, uh, basically work their way through a tournament. And Tom Hardy has one of my favorite moments where his introduction is basically, he shows up at a gym and starts training. And then one guy who's actually like a pro UFC fighter, he's like, He's like, does anybody want to spar with me, the champion? And he's just like, I'll fight you. And the guy's like, oh. he's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he takes him down in two seconds. And right. it's so good. He like takes <laughs> Which, the guy, the guy's supposed to have a spot in the tournament. And then he like, he, he, he beats him up so yeah. bad he can't compete. So they just give him Tom Hardy's character the spot. <laughs> well, then the other guy comes back and they fight again. And the same shit happens again. And it's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But my- yeah, any. My favorite no, serious sports movie is probably you. You've already said it, but it's Friday Night Lights. Um, you know, oh, it's a good one. Love the book. Read the book as well. Um, and just you know the the plight of Booby Miles uh, and that emotional scene. You know when he realizes he'll never you know play again probably. And um, mm-hmm. Mike Winchell, the um, reluctant leader, and everything like that. And Billy Bob Thornton playing the head coach is just, you know, yeah. it, it's the, the story is one of those that you couldn't, you, you know, you couldn't make that up for all those things that happen in succession in one, one season. So, you know, it's, you know, the book is fantastic as, as well. Would recommend if people haven't read that book, um, but the movie, you know, is another one of those that just, you know, stands out to me uh, sports movie wise. 
Well, and also the, the thing that stands out to me, especially about that that particular movie, I know most people are familiar with Friday Night Lights as the show. Yeah. Um, but but not just that it inspired the show, but also for from my standpoint, it's just how the football is filmed. Mm-hmm. It, because Friday Night Lights, honestly, it is the most punishing film. Like it's, yes. it looks the most intense out of any football scenes I've ever seen. Right. Like, and I think that's because they got a legitimate action director behind it. Because yeah. a lot of the times the sports movies are just like whoever. And so they're just like, okay, we're going to count on whoever's coordinating the football. But the director of Friday Night Lights is a guy named Peter Berg. And Peter Berg's, like, you look at his filmography, it is nothing but like dark comedies and action movies. <laughs> Okay. Like it's kind of it's kind of absurd. Like he directed the rundown with the rock. Oh yeah. Um the the kingdom, very bad things, lone survivor. Like those are the stuff that he directs. Right. And then he's like, oh, football movie. And of course it's the most violent football movie right. ever put on screen. <laughs> yeah, just it's very real. It's like, you know, I have certain movies like um The Longest Yard, the older version with um, oh, Burt yeah, Reynolds. Uh, it Burt has Reynolds. its moments of, of violence, but yeah, this one is it's it's just it you know it's kind of in that mold of not as as but uh, not as strong or not as uh, dramatic, but it you know has the shaky cam um, and really you know you're on the field, you're in the action, and it, it's very yeah. I, I don't want to call it unique, but for a football movie, but it's it's definitely sets itself apart. Well, and I heard, I remember a while ago, I think somebody was talking to uh, Howie Long, whose whose sons both play in the NFL now, and that somebody is just like, oh, yeah, don't you love to see, like, your sons compete against each other? Because they're literally, like, one's an offensive lineman, the other one's a tackle. So that's, they're like, oh, don't you love to see that? And they're like, no, we don't. Because yeah. we, because kn- Howie in particular knows that every single play in the NFL is a car crash. Yeah. Like, that's how he described it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, and so that's the first time I'm like, oh. These teenagers are in constant car crash. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, my dad, uh, you know, always described it as, you know, uh, basketball and soccer and those sports, they're, they're contact sports, but uh, but football, that that's a collision sport, literally. You know, that's how he used to describe it to yeah. me as a kid and everything. Yeah. It reminds me of, and this will be a nice little through line for, for the end of it, is have you ever heard the George Carlin bit about baseball versus football? Remind me. So it's just talking about the difference in language. It's like baseball is pay- played in a park, a baseball park. It's like football is football is played in the gridiron or stadium or war memorial stadium. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, the go- what's the goal of baseball? The goal is to go home. I hope I'll be safe at home. Oh <laughs> and like gosh. the goal of football is for the, for the air marshal to, to hit his, hit his, <laughs> His targets with long, with long bombs and ground attacks <laughs> to get to the enemy's side of the field. Like just... Oh yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. That is very true. Oh, Jordan. So, oh yes, gotcha. Go. Well, I appreciate you having me on, friend. Of course, absolutely. I always like people coming in and talking about stuff that is familiar to them or what they really are passionate about because it's always. For me, that's where you get the most interesting stories is like actual investment. That's why that's why sometimes it's like, OK, that's why I swear there's so many movies that I don't even talk about or write about. Because I'm like, I could say two things about this. Nope, that's right. it. I'm done. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there you go. So thank you so much for coming on. No, I appreciate it. Have a, and hopefully, you know, some other time I can come back on, maybe not do a sports movie. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> OK, let's do the reaction from the fans. I get it.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to the populace and see what they say. <laughs> there you go. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Stay safe, everybody, and I'll catch you next time.